Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the esteemed and ever-optimistic Matthew. How you doing this week, Matthew? Optimistic, huh? <laughs> you know, there, there were days, those were the days, I should say, you know, when I was optimistic. But I don't, I don't, I don't think even the most optimistic person can see through this dumpster fire that we've seen in the last week. So save me the optimist stuff. Okay, Ben. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm a little edgy. All right. <laughs> well, okay. I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, in that case, let me ask you a question. Um, <laughs> uh oh. Sorry, sorry. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, like, um, uh, do you like to eat your hot trash uh, with a cocktail or without? Oh, well, always with a cocktail. I mean, you need something to swallow this. this <laughs> right. Trash. Wash it down with. Yes. Yeah. Wash it down. The stronger, the better. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, yeah. And, and can, um, can I just say, I mean, if you're listening to this right now, thank you. Thank you for for coming back after this last week. Like, I, I, I know that we're going to look at our stats this week, Ben, and it's going to be like, it's going to be, uh, was it Bryce and, and, and our mother? And, right. and I think that's it. So shout out yeah. to mom and Bryce uh, for coming back because I, I think we've lost all the other listeners that we've built up over this year. Thanks a lot, Giants. Right. I mean, it's it's really interesting, actually, to 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 see how our stats are impacted by the Giants play. Like, I would love for us to say that that when our stats go up, it's because we're awesome. I, I, I think it's it's merely that we're just not horrible. <laughs> And, and and people are starving for a great giant content. Yeah, yeah, and you can yes, exactly, exactly. And since they can't find find more great giant content, they just they settle, settle for us. Settle for us, exactly. Right, right, exactly. But but you know, we actually can see in the stats, right, how how the Giants' bad play has impacted our downloads. And you know, we got we got our we got our strong core. I mean, we're definitely. I mean, I still we're definitely doing better than we did. I think most of last season, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. The no, bandwagoners we, really jumped on on the show in September. That was pretty clear. That was pretty clear. But but for most of yeah, I mean, we, we've we've held on to to listeners for most of this year, and God bless you. God bless you for sticking with us because you know we're all in this together, right? We we're all in this horrible unwatchable baseball situation together yeah because if you're coming back now you're in it you're in it for for whatever sadistic reason you have to just pain be painfully uh or just i don't know i don't even know the words i don't know the words anymore (laughs) 
Well, folks, well, folks, on that note, today is Wednesday, July 27th, as we record this podcast. Our wonderful Giants have gone uh, zero and seven in the last seven games since we last spoke to bring their record to two games under 500 to be at 48 and 50. I think this might be the first time the Giants were under 500, Matthew, on our show since opening day last year. Yeah, since April of 2021. Is and, when, and they have gone the longest between any, of any team in the major leagues without being under 500. Right. So, so since the opening day gut punch of last year, um, the Giants have never been under uh, under 500, and now they are two games under 500. They are uh, three games out of the last wild card spot, but they have to pass two of those teams to get into that wild card spot. They went 0-4 against the Dodgers. Um, partly because the Dodgers are a vastly better team than the Giants, um, but also because the Giants um, just decided every single game to find uh, another way to disappoint us with their atrocious play. Uh, And then they went 0-3 against the Arizona Diamondbacks because I don't think even the Giants players care anymore, and so why should you try to beat anybody? One one notable thing that happened, Matthew, during uh, during yesterday's game was that uh, Joey Bart had to leave the game with a stomach issue, and he threw up. And uh, well, I thought that was really interesting because I also stopped watching the game to throw up. It, yeah, I, I think that there was probably any other guys on the field. They're like, "Oh man, why didn't I think of that?" Like it's just nobody wanted Seriously. to be there. And uh, yeah, uh, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch the whole game. I was like, "F this, I'm I'm out." Bob, ask me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. I, this week, as I promised last week, am drinking a cocktail known as the Pink Lady. And I'm going to be honest, folks. Last week when I said I was going to make the Pink Lady, I I actually meant a different cocktail. <laughs> I meant the White Lady. <laughs> um... Which is a vastly simpler cocktail, uh, but I'm actually really, really happy that 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 I I did say the Pink Lady because um, this is a really fun cocktail to make. It's also uh, it's a classic. Um, it is also a very difficult cocktail I, I've learned to make well. It, it, uh, this cocktail is really all about the balance, and you really have to make sure that you get your measurements correct. You can't you can't uh, you can't make this one with an unsteady hand. Um, and the reason for that is, well, first of all, it starts off with an ounce and a half of Plymouth gin. I'm going to admit I wasn't using Plymouth gin. I was using another gin that is similar to Plymouth in flavor profile, um, which is a small batch gin. But all recipes that I saw that require that this is Plymouth gin. Plymouth gin is both a style of gin and its own brand. I don't think there are many competitors that make it in the same way. Um, it is not a dry gin, which means it's not as junipery. Junipery? As as your standard London standard London dry gin, uh, so an ounce and a half of that, one ounce of egg white or the egg white of one egg, which uh, you know depending on the size of your egg is going to be a half an ounce to to an ounce, um, and then zero uh, sorry three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, half an ounce of grenadine, half an ounce of simple syrup, and then half an ounce of Laird's applejack. Because there is egg white in this, you obviously do a dry shake. 
well, obvious to me. I don't know if it's obvious to our listeners. Uh, you do a dry shake to emulsify the egg white to get it all nice and foamy. Dry shake, uh, for those of you who don't know, would be without ice. You shake it without correct. ice. Correct. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. Dry shake is without ice. And then you do shake it again with ice. Uh, and then you double strain that into a coupe glass uh, and serve it um, uh, serve it up. And it should come out with a nice white foamy uh, head. Um, I actually had a really good emulsification in there uh, when I made mine. But I noticed that the double strain kind of caused that to... Um, to flatten out a little bit so so maybe maybe not do the double strain i don't know i would i would experiment a little bit with this well i think the only reason that you would double strain it is you don't want any ice chips floating in the in there yeah exactly exactly and if you don't mind so the ice chips will probably sit below that white frothy head so it'll look great but it'll have the ice chips in there if you don't mind ice chips or you like them then by all means don't do the double strain and you'll probably get a better head but you really got to shake the snot out of it during the uh, the dry shake to really make this cocktail work because it really needs a big foamy um, uh, head on it and um, uh, it ends up creating a very dry cocktail um, that finishes nicely with the grenadine and simple syrup and applejack um, you definitely don't want to overdo the lemon juice on this one. You don't want to overdo the gin um, because um, and the egg white because all of those things contribute to the dryness of this cocktail. And if you do too much of any of those, it's really going to kind of make your tongue turn into like a, I don't know, a dry sponge. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be a tasty cocktail. But when you do it right, it is a very tasty cocktail. Um, so it, it practice makes perfect on this one, but when you get it right, it's really, really good. Um, and it's beautiful, too. It is nice, pretty pink. So yeah. that's my pink lady, what? Bob. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It is. Thank you, Bob. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, Bob, last week I, too, promised a certain cocktail. And I got to tell you, I hadn't tried it before I promised it. And, and, and so I made it for the first time a day or two ago and it was awful as written. And this, I'm referring to the spicy mint avocado margarita. And I know you're thinking, how could that be awful? Right? I mean, it's got, God, it's got separate food groups for crying out loud. It's, it's gotta be tasty. I mean, who doesn't love avocado? Exactly. I mean, you know, all I needed was some tortilla chips and uh, I'd be good to go. But <laughs> but seriously, uh, the the uh, it was the first time I made it. Uh, I followed the recipe that I found to a T and it was like fire. It was so hot and spicy. And then um, and then you couldn't taste anything else. And so I fiddled with it a little bit and this is what what I came up with that I think now is a much more respectable cocktail I actually enjoying this right now rather than wondering if I'm even going to finish it so the big big difference so it starts out with uh, the the spirits are two ounces of Blanco tequila and an ounce of Cointreau and then you have an ounce of lime juice and half an ounce of agave syrup. The original called for just simple syrup, but it really needs the agave to kind of bring out the tequila flavor, I think. I think. Uh, then you have, uh, well, the original recipe called for three jalapeno coins, 
Uh, I settled on like one, one and a half uh, because that three was just way too much. Uh, Eight mint leaves, about a quarter of an avocado, and a pinch of salt. And so what you do is you throw the mint leaves, the jalapeno, the lime juice, and the avocado. um, Well, what did I just say? So the jalapeno, the mint leaves, the avocado, and the lime juice, and you muddle all that together, and you muddle it until the avocado is like a puree. Okay, and so there's really no no more love. You can't even recognize any avocado in there. It's just this green kind of watery paste. And then you throw everything else in there, including the pinch of salt, which is important. It brings out uh, the flavors there. And you shake that with ice uh, and then and then strain it. I did not double strain it. I just strained it into a rocks glass that had uh, salt on. I, you know, I salted the side of the rocks glass. Uh, and uh, it is actually a really nice cocktail now that I've taken out a lot of that heat. Now, if you're into the heat and you want to burn yourself, then by all means, go ahead. But then you're really not going to taste anything else. And so I did uh, one and a half coins of, of, and there's enough heat there where that, that heat comes through, but it's not overpowering the cocktail. And the avocado actually has a nice mouthfeel. It's, uh, you know, creaminess a little bit to the, to the cocktail. And so uh, surprisingly, I think this, uh, this actually came out pretty nice and I'm enjoying it. I mean, let's ignore the fact that in different ratios and different divisions, you've just basically made a salsa and uh, and, a, and a side cocktail, right? Um, <laughs> That's right, avocado I mean, and salt. I mean, there's my block. And then uh, I was listening to your ingredients. You were like avocado, a little, a little, little avocado. salt, a little little jalapeno. I was like, and some chips, and and uh, and I'm a happy man, you know. Um, and, uh, and some tequila on the side, tequila on the rocks. Um, but I mean, actually that, that's not, that's not quite surprising. Like, you know, I mean, like there's a lot of cocktails that have creaminess to them, right? You know, that's what we're, we're trying to do with, with the egg whites. Yeah. Um, right. It is to create a, a kind of different mouthfeel, right? And often, of course, you have, you have plenty of cocktails that actually just call for cream. And then you even have a few, as we know, that, that call for lemon curd, which is a perfectly reasonable thing to put into a cocktail. So, <laughs> so, so why not, um, why not, uh, why not avocado? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, th- I think the thing about the heat, that's really interesting that you said what you said about the heat, because I think sometimes people think heat and spiciness is like the purpose of spicy food. And, but really the, it's, it's its own flavor profile. It shouldn't be the only thing that you taste. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be the only thing that you experience. Right. Um, so, and we all do experience spiciness in different levels, which is one of the nice things about being able to make your own cocktails is you can adjust it to your own, your own spice level. Um, but you definitely don't want it to be a distraction. No. So. And then this heat right now sits on the back of my throat when I swallow it and then it goes away and it's very pleasant. I'm really, I really like it. So continuing with our tradition. Now that we started last week, it's a tradition after one week, right? Uh, we're we're going to introduce the cocktails that we're going to do next week. So, what are you doing next week? You would think that I would do a white lady, but no, I am actually going to make. Oh my god! I already spread. Oh, I'm going to do a cocktail that a white lady would drink. <laughs> An aperol spritz. Okay, look, men can enjoy Aperol spritzes, and, and it doesn't matter your your racial background or your heritage. Aperol spritzes are for everyone. Except for me. I've never had one. 
I don't even have Aperol in my bar um, because I don't like Aperol. Yeah, which I thought uh, was really interesting that before the show, you were like, I think I'm going to do an Aperol spritz. Like, you just pulled that out of your head. Like, that was what you wanted well, to do. I, well, I mean, like, you know, it, it, I want to expand my, my horizons, you know. And then a couple of weeks ago, I made this crack about, you know, the, the millennials being the bitterest generation. And that's why they make all these bitter cocktails. And I still feel a little guilty about that oh, crack. Okay. Uh, and so I thought, you know what, Ben, you should, you know, maybe go out and take some risk and enjoy a more sophisticated flavor profile. You heathen, and uh, and really experience a, a classy cocktail that uses one of these things, and so I naturally landed on the Aperol Spritz. All right. Well, I, we'll be waiting to see how you how you feel, and and, and... I'm going to power my way through it. I'm That's right. Power my way through it. As, but stay tuned, always. folks. Come back and see how Ben <laughs> handles the Aperol Spritz. What about you? What are you going to be? Well, I got to thinking uh, this weekend. The Giants are retiring number twenty-two. My all-time favorite giant, Will Clark, and so I thought I should I should look at a at a cocktail that celebrates Will Clark, and I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, but I'm I'm tentatively calling it the Nussler, and uh, that's Will Clark's middle name, the Nussler. Is that how it's pronounced? It's Nussler. I am tentatively calling it the Nussler. <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're a lifelong, die-hard Will Clark fan, and you know you can't even say that. You can't even say Nuschler, right? Oh. The Nuxler? No. <laughs> what is the matter with you? What huh. is the all right. matter all right. with all right. you? All right, all right, all right. I'm tentatively calling it. <laughs> I can't even. I wanted to do a, a, an edit, but that's like me calling Matt Williams the Surge. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, the Sarge is a little easier to say. All right. Then the Nuschler? Yes. All right. All right. Yeah. See, this is why you keep coming back, right? Just to hear us uh, uh, stumble over words and names. Okay. The Nuschler. And it will be uh, New Orleans-based because uh, that is where Will Clark grew up. And so there's, I'm, I'm playing around with some options there. Uh, but come back and, uh, and see what that, what that ends up looking like. I, I'm actually looking at all of the players who have worn 22. Christian Arroyo? Clark. Yes, Christian Arroyo is one of those That's guys. the one that really got um, me. Like, they were going to anoint their, their new rookie, like, as the next Will Clark. And I, I, I kind of lost it, actually, when I first saw that. I, I, had, I had issues. I mean, they had... Um, let me just count them quickly. Well, then there was McCutcheon, right? 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 20. Oh, my gosh. 22 people well, have worn 22? Since Will Clark. Maybe that's what they were waiting for. Once we get to 22, guys, then we'll retire it. But here's, you know, what's really amazing, Matthew, is is like, here's here's how the, the respect that Will Clark got. Rickert Fanida. <laughs> Was the first giant to wear 22 after Will Clark. <laughs> Good old Rickard. Rickard Fanida. Yeah, from, from the Netherlands. Um, uh, Damon Minor wore it. Kurt Ainsworth wore it. Jose Cruz wore it. Matt Morris wore it. Um, Cole Gillespie wore it. Jake Peavy wore it for three seasons. And and then Andrew McCutcheon wore it as well. I, I, I feel like Andrew McCutcheon and Jake Peavy um, 
were were definitely good representatives of that number, but 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 I I don't know about Dan Ugla. <laughs> uh, I don't know about um, uh, well Rick Rickard Fanita, uh, quite honestly. Um, but yes, uh, Keiichi Yabu, Eli Whiteside. I liked Eli. He wore it for four seasons. My goodness! Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. But anyway, um, why am I talking about how many people have worn Will Clark's numbers since Will Clark wore, uh, the number 22? Uh, because, yeah, because this season is over, Matthew. Yes. This season is over. The Giants are not going to make the playoffs. And quite frankly, uh, the Giants are playing unwatchable baseball right now. It, the, the product that the Giants are putting forth right now as a form of entertainment is anti-entertainment. It is not fun to watch the Giants play right now. The only people who are watching the Giants are people who have, like, made it part of their life, like us, right? Right? Yeah. We, 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 we live and kind of breathe the Giants, and so, like, good or bad. But, but even those of us are, are not watching every game. We're certainly turning off the game early. As soon as the Giants find that one moment where they're going to throw the game away, um, quite literally, with their bad play, uh, yeah. I mean, this the season is is over. Last season is a distant memory, and uh, and uh, it, it's time to start thinking about the future. This season is done. It's done. Or is it? <laughs> I don't know. See, every now and then like, I get this what? glimpse of optimism. Like, like, like we, we can turn it around. We, we can. I, I, I don't, I. What are you smoking, Matthew? They well, okay, went 0-7 okay. this week against the Dodgers. Fine. Okay, fine. Uh, the Dodgers are the best team in the National League. They played them at home. I mean, even a bad team can squeak out one win against a good team in a four-game series, though. But 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 let's just say, okay, for the sake of argument, we we could say, okay, great team against a team that is that is struggling, that's been hampered by injury, that that is still trying to 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 kind of like get its feet underneath it. We'll 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 give them that four-game uh, series. Which is, of course, ridiculous because losing four games in a row to the Dodgers is absolutely unacceptable no matter how good the Dodgers are and how bad the Giants are, Gabe Kapler. Unacceptable. It's not just not good enough, as you said, calmly. It's absolutely atrocious and unacceptable for the Giants to get swept in four games against the Dodgers. But let's just pretend that that's not true. To then follow that up, with a home and at sorry a sweep against the Diamondbacks anywhere is indication to me that not only is this team bad, it's given up. Well, it certainly look that way. And can I can I offer a little advice when watching the Giants? Sure, watch them drunk. Yes, we, we, exactly. <laughs> like, if, if folks, if you haven't caught onto the premise of our show yet, you know there there's a cocktail attached to every every episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can go back and get like 120 different 
recipes to different cocktails. And this is the time, folks. If there was ever a time to break out the booze, it is now. I mean, last year, yeah, you were riding on the high of winning and you didn't really need to like numb your senses at all. And it was all just you wanted to feel that euphoria. But now you just want to drown your sorrows and you just want to like, you know, feel numb and and yeah. just so drink up, folks. OK, you know, pour yourself a nice spicy mint avocado margarita and uh, and, and, and that'll help. The, the, it'll help make the Giants right. a little bit more palatable. Yeah. Turn on the game. Pull up one of our recipes. While the game commences, begin collecting all of your ingredients and your your items and your materials. And, uh, and then start making the cocktail. As you start to do that, pull up all of the... Or as you're pulling up the ingredients, take a glance at the TV. Or, or listen closely to the radio whatever is your preference. And at that point in time, decide how many cocktails do I need to make? Folks, it's probably going to be at least two. At least. At least. And then, yeah, and then and then make those cocktails, you know, have them ever, have them prepped. That's what I do on the show, right? I always make a double batch. Uh, you know, have them prepped. Drink the first one casually, you know, at once it's done and ready. Have the second one ready to go as soon as the Giants make that horrible mistake. And then on the off chance that somebody like Darren Ruff is going to hit a grand slam to tie the game just to make you think that the magic is coming back. Uh, and then and then they then they immediately give that that away. Uh, that's when you make your third cocktail. Exactly. You know, a little uh, that reminds me. So right before we went on air, we I got curious and I looked at how many how, how often the Giants led during those seven games that we just lost in a row. And it was for yeah. a total of 1.5 innings. But the interesting thing about that is that we, we went ahead in the top of, each of those three times. It was three games where we went ahead in the top half of the inning and then immediately so you could say gave, the Giants took the lead. Yes. Right? And then immediately gave up the lead in the bottom half of the same inning. So technically, we did not lead at any point after a full inning at all over the last seven games. And so that, folks, is when you really need to break out the, the booze. And, and I'm actually, as we're talking, I'm thinking we could make a really good drinking game out of this. I mean, we could have like a bingo card that was like, like if you, you know, if the Giants boot a ball, uh, you drink. You know, if they miss a cutoff, man, you got to take a drink. If they strike out with the bases loaded, you got to take a drink. I mean, there, there, gosh, there are so many ways to get Yo, wasted watching Matthew, this team. Matthew. Yes. Listen, listen. I know, I know. You're probably just saying this in jest, but I really got to be serious here for a moment. Um, if people did that, they would get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> uh, they, sh that, folks, don't do that. That's that's just that. You know, we're just being silly here. Uh, please, please don't take a, a swig of an alcoholic beverage every time the Giants make a mistake because you're liable to die. Although, watch for the drinking game on Twitter. We're, we're gonna put that out there at some point. <laughs> Maybe we should do a game. That might be a disclaimer. We we, there, but uh, we should we should schedule a game where we're going to play our drinking game. Uh, you know, every time the Giants make a a mental mistake on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, uh, you got to drink. Um, that's that's actually that's that you know that might be doing the Giants a favor because now fans have a reason to watch the game. Yes, um, I think the Giants marketing department should hire us. I think we would. Uh, 
We'd right. be way better than the right. Sunday Sunday crew or whatever they got right. going on. Right. Well, for the optimists out there, though, Matthew, before we before we move on, I, I do want to like because you know you asked me, is the season over? And and I I I mean I don't think I need any more evidence than a seven game losing streak to start the second half, um, where every single game had a a a defensive error, a defensive miscue that cost the Giants horribly. But just in case there's any optimists out there who are like, oh, but they're only, you know, we've got the extra wild card this year and the Giants are only three games out and they could still do it. And we've seen them do this team with these guys can do magical things. And that's not wrong. That That is all absolutely true. Like this team could turn things around and could absolutely squeak in for that last playoff spot. But here's why I'm arguing that the season is over. There is no way that this team wins that first playoff round where they have to play three games at somebody else's stadium and win two out of three. Because the Giants are going to make a fatal mistake in every game that's going to cost them, and there's no way that they can then win two games away at somebody else's stadium playing the way that they play. This brand of baseball cannot win playoff series. It cannot. Like, you cannot play defense this badly and expect to be good in the playoffs. Pitching and defense wins championships. That has been true always. And as San Francisco Giants fans, we know it's true because we've seen it. This team cannot pull out a three-game series against a high-quality team, much less do it two times in a row. This season is over. Even if they do somehow squeak in, this season is over. You heard it here first. The same place that you heard that this defense was awful eight weeks ago. And and only now are we finally hearing from the front office that, oh, the defense has got to get better. But, I, I mean, I don't even know if that's true. Well, it's not. I mean... <clears throat> I mean, I think they give it no. lip service. You know, I, I, you, know you, you had said that there was a... You know, Kapler was talking this week about... Uh, oh, my God. ...about defense, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. What was his quote? Uh, well, I, I read it in a couple different places, and it, and it was quoted slightly differently, or they focused on different parts of the quote. But the one that I have pulled up here is, and I will read it. I'll do it in Gabe Kapler's voice. These guys are going to work as, as hard as they can to be ready for this time. Sometimes a ball hits them, and that's part of the equation here, said Kapler. He's going to make good throws. Mercedes, he's talking about your mean Mercedes here. He says, Mercedes has a big arm. Is he going to be great? A gold glove defender? I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't think it's the same. I, I don't think it's the same with, I, I do think it's the same with Darren Ruff. We'll keep grinding through this. Uh, and then later in another quote that I saw, he said, they're going to work. They're going to work. Um, which basically is this, folks, which is they know that your mean Mercedes and Darren Ruff and Jock Peterson and Lamont Wade Jr. at first base. And, you know, uh, I mean, they know that all of these guys are not good defenders and they're not putting them in a good situation to succeed. They're not. Which was a hallmark of last year, right? They put players in situations where they could succeed. This year, the Giants are absolutely putting players in situations where they're likely to fail. 
on the defensive side of the ball. And they know it. And that what they're saying is they're going to try harder. Um, you know what, Matthew? I just always assumed that every professional athlete was trying as hard as they could all the time. <laughs> like That was just an assumption that I had. Like, I just assumed that that's what professional athletes did. I'm sure there's a couple of guys out there that well, don't that, need to. <clears throat> Duh, that's where the phrase 110% comes from, right? I mean, <laughs> right. So they've only well, been given 100%. So, now they're going to give 110 right. Now they're going to give 110%. Um, you know what? At the But at the end of the day, Matthew, I don't care how hard they're trying. How hard they try is irrelevant to me as a fan. But I think... I th- like, I don't care. I don't care how hard they're trying. What I care is about results. Right. And right now, the results are awful. Well, there's just... There's... There's, there's the physical miscues of throwing balls away or missing, you know, dropping balls or whatever... But then there's just the physical limitations of the players themselves that can't get to certain balls. And those aren't errors per se, but they're hits and they they cost our team runs. And the Giants just seem to be okay with that equation. Like we're going to put your mean Mercedes who, I mean, he's a good athlete, but he's not, he's not a fast athlete and he's not. Um, Okay. 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 Hang on a second. You say you're mean Mercedes is a good athlete. He's strong, and he can hit a baseball, and I bet he can throw a ball real far. Matthew, I would put money that you could run faster than him. Oh, I know I could run faster than him. And you're 50 years old. And I, jokes, fans, I'm not, I, folks, I'm not joking. This is not hyperbole. I know we make a lot of jokes on this show. That's basically all we do. My brother's a pretty decent runner, even at 50, and I'm pretty sure he runs faster than your mean Mercedes. And that says a lot more about your mean Mercedes. I mean, my brother's a good runner than it says about my brother. This guy is, I mean, so is he a good, he's a good, he's a strong guy. I don't know that I'm going to go out and say he's a great athlete. Okay. Well, I, I, my point is that, you know, he is not being put in a position to be successful to your point, right? Because he just, he can't cover the ground that a typical left fielder can play. Neither, neither can rough. Right. Neither can, you know, uh, well, pretty much anybody we put out there. I mean, they're just not, they're Peterson. not, they're not able to make those plays. And then on top of that, then there's the, the, the mental errors, you know, like today in today's game, you know, Slater fielded a ball in center field. With uh, and with a runner on first, the runner was taken going from first to third, and he throws to Estrada to you know as the cutoff man, and Estrada lets the ball go through to third base. Now they had no chance of getting the guy out at third, but what that did was allow the runner who had hit the ball to advance to second. Right, so now all of a sudden you have runners on second and third. Then the very next play is the bunt play where where Belt throws the ball over Wynn's head to the backstop, and both right. runners score. So that run. Is a, it's not, I mean, it wouldn't have happened had, had, had Estrada cut the ball off, you know? And I feel like these are the types of things. So when Kapler's right. like, oh, we're going to try harder, it was like, well, yeah, but you, you also got to know what to do. And it just doesn't seem like this is the time to be teaching them how to hit a cutoff or how to take a, you know, I mean, Lestella's playing third base in that instance, where he hardly ever plays. It's his job to tell Estrada to cut it. Right, he should be yelling "cut, cut, cut." The ball he doesn't yeah. apparently. The ball goes through, and now you've got a runner in scoring position. And I just I feel like those are the types of plays that happen over and over again, and you just can't fix that. You can't fix that in the middle of the season. Well, 
You can fix that. You can fix that by playing players at positions that they normally play at. So, but you'd have to get rid of half the team to do that. Like, I mean, because we've got like six left fielders and three DHs playing in the field. <laughs> well, okay. So look, I mean, let's let's talk about that because I I, I think I think that's a you know we, we have on here as our as our second segment. Um, how, you know, given given that Ben has decided that the season is over, how should we be handling the trade deadline? Part of that is like. Should we be getting rid of people? And and we already talked a couple weeks ago about who we should get be getting rid of. And we all know that Listella is high on my list. Yeah. Right. Well, we're starting to hear um, that now. And we're starting to hear that he's high on the <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Apparently, we're going to trade him for Rome. <laughs> for Loriano. <laughs> we're we're going to trade him for... The fact that the idea that anybody thinks that we're going to trade Tommy Listella for anybody is beyond ridiculous. I don't know who writes these articles or where they get these ideas from, but you guys just don't know baseball. Right, like Tommy Listella is owed what eleven million dollars, eleven and a half year? million next year. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to eat that contract. So if the Giants trade him, they're going to have to pay, agree to pay that salary. Yeah, they're going to have to get rid of him, but still pay him. That's the only way that Tommy Listella gets traded. But but also then that means some other team, even if they get him for free, is going to want his quality of play, which they're never going to get because he's going to be injured most of the time. And when he isn't injured. It's going to be below average. Yeah, right? I was, I was nobody actually, wants Tommy Listella. I was looking at Listella's. I was like, what? What did they see in him before? And what is? What are we getting now? And I was looking at his stats this year compared to previous years. In previous years, he had a really good understanding of the strike zone. Right, he wouldn't swing at pitches outside of the strike zone. And and this year, he is swinging at like way more pitches outside of the strike zone. He's not swinging at more pitches inside the strike zone than at any point in his career. Uh, so he has lost that one aspect that made him really valuable was working a walk and knowing the strike zone and being able to get lots of pitches. And now he just looks like a guy who's chasing stuff, you know, up and away or up and in rather or outside the strike zone. And he's he's and everybody's seeing this. I mean, you and I sitting at home in our yeah. closets are seeing this. You know that the major league executives are seeing this. So how anyone could assume that Listella is going to provide any value in a trade is smoking something. Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, folks, Tommy Listella is not going to be traded for anybody. Like he, he, if he goes, it's going to be part of a package, and he's probably going to go to another team so that team can DFA him. Like he is not going to be the centerpiece of a trade. And if anybody thinks that that they are, you should be rethinking that. Like he is not valuable to anyone. Well, you go to the base. Nobody. The we- no, nobody's going to want him. I go to the web. You go to the website Baseball Trade Values, I think it's called, uh, which you, know, you can actually put together trades. And um, uh, there was an interesting article, I think, in the Athletic where it highlighted this website uh, last week. And so I was playing around on it. And uh, yeah, I mean, he is valued at negative almost eleven ten point negative ten point six million dollars is his value. And then he's got this eleven million dollar contract next year. So if you throw that in, then he basically is a zero sum player. And and right. so. So you still have to give up value to get somebody. So they're better off just DFAing him, do him a solid, let him yeah. go where he can get his you know next playing time, rather than trading him to a team that you know doesn't want him anyway. I just you know there's just no real value there at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, agreed. Agreed. Okay. So Tommy Listella not going to be traded for anybody for any reason. But that being said, 
How do we handle the trade deadline, Matthew? You trade like, you what, trade Stella sh- for for Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah, why don't why don't they uh, why don't they uh, trade uh, Tommy Listella and, um, and and, and uh, Joey Bart uh, and uh, yeah Joey Bart uh, for Juan Soto, uh, <laughs> a, a first time caller, long time listener, uh, love love your show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Let's get let. I mean, okay, but but Juan Soto, I mean, okay. Let let's just stop right there because because Juan Soto getting Juan Soto is not about this season at all. Right. It, it, this is like a whole, like, like, this is like a stop everything. Yeah. I mean, it's not only and, about this season, right? It is about the future, but it could be about this season. I mean, the Giants could certainly benefit from a, a left handed bat or, you know, uh, he might, even, is he a switch? Well, I can't I, remember, but I, I, but I, I will tell you this, the giant, he really fits the Giants profile really well because he stinks at defense. <laughs> And we know that the Giants, the Giants love guys that can hit and can't field the ball. That's right. They don't care about defense. But 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 that being said, I mean, I mean, it's Juan Soto, <laughs> he's a generational, right? he's a generational talent at, at the plate. Um, and and some people believe that he's he's kind of checked out, and 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 maybe that check out is part of why he's not playing such good defense. I think that's probably a little bit of an over exaggeration. Um, I do worry about trading for a 23-year-old who can't play defense or doesn't want to play defense. But nonetheless. But you trade for a 23-year-old that has been in the top 10 MVP votes three times in his four seasons. Uh, Yeah. Well, should the Giants break the bank for him? Should they? Should they? Because that's what they're going to have to do, right? Yeah. Well, I was playing around on that trade, that trade website that I mentioned and, uh, I was. You know, what would it take to get him? And one of the, I mean, the 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 only way that this works for any team, not just for the Giants, but the only way this works in terms of value, is to take on a contract like Corbin's or Strasburg's, uh, which you know, it's been publicly stated that the Nationals would like to get rid of one of those big contracts. Corbin has a, uh, I mean, he's it's like thirty million dollar a year contract where he is making. He is one of the worst starting pitchers in the league right now, and so. Uh, so the so they would want anyone to take on that contract, and the Giants have the flexibility to do that. They you know they could do that from a financial standpoint. Uh, I also feel like the Giants are are egotistical enough to think that they could fix Corbin, that it would be value added, right? Like I feel like they would they would all oh, will just. You know, we'll just our analyst guys will get with him and we'll fix him, and uh, he'll be the next Steven or he'll be the next uh, uh, Gosman. He'll be the next Gosman, right, or whatever. And so, so, and maybe that would happen. You know, which would be amazing, right? Uh, uh, but, but to give up what they would have to give up. I mean, you're talking about our top two prospects at least, and Luciano and Harrison. Then you're talking about guys like Matos and Ramos, and then at least one major league player like Lamont Way Jr. Right. Or Luis Gonzalez, uh, all of those guys, you know, are in play, and right. and and normally, you know, prospects are kind of like like a lottery ticket. Like you buy that lottery ticket with hope, right? With just yeah. you, you, you think, oh, this looks, oh, like the things I could do with the money when I win this billion dollar Mega Millions lottery, right? Uh, but most of the time. That lottery ticket is a bust, right? And it doesn't come out to be as as shiny and pretty as you thought it was going to be. And so in that case, 
I would say that Juan Soto is absolutely worth getting rid of or losing players like Luciano and Harrison and all that because he's 23 years old, has been a three-time top 10 MVP candidate. He is, uh, you know, 23. He's younger than Joey Bart. And he's already yeah. shown that he can hit major league pitching at a, better, a rate that no one else in the majors can. Yeah, you want a guy like that because you know that's going to project. He's going to be that guy for the next 10 years. And right. why and, wouldn't and you? On that, on that note, so so I want to go to baseball reference and talk about just, just, just call something out as to why he is so important uh, as, as, a, as a – why everybody wants, wants him. Um, and on, if, you've, if you've been to Baseball Reference, you might know that if you scroll all the way down to a player's, uh, the bottom of a player's page, there is a feature where they are compared to other players, um, both through their entire career, but also through their age, and then through each season that they've played. And Han Soto has only played three seasons, uh, when he was 20 years old, when he was 21 years old, and when he was 22 years old. And um, the player that he was most compares to as a 22-year-old is Mike Trout. The player that he most compared to as a 21-year-old was Frank Robinson. <laughs> and the player that he compared to most as a 20-year-old is a guy named by, by Tony Conigliaro, who is a very, very sad story, um, but should be a Hall of Famer, was probably going to be a Hall of Famer, was one of the great young players um but took uh took a pitch to the head and was nearly killed in the 70s um and then it it ruined his eyesight and so he ended up retiring i think at the age of like 27 after trying to come back um but was one of the great young players um and and definitely if he had continued would have been a hall of famer but again now the list of players that he compares to through his age of 22 starting at the top, number one, Mike Trout. That is the player that he compares most similarly to. Then Frank Robinson, then Bryce Harper, then Miguel Cabrera, then Mickey Mantle, then Tony Conigliaro, then Henry Aaron, <laughs> then Orlando Cepeda, then Giancarlo Stanton, then Ken Griffey Jr. All of those people are Hall of Famers or will you know very likely will be Hollis Famers Stanton? I don't know. Bryce Harper probably still too too early to say, um, and Canigliaro obviously, like I said, unknown. But that's why Juan Soto is so important, right? That's why you want him, because more likely than not, given this projection, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And and he all those guys on the other, on our list, right, could be all stars. They could be an sure. all-star, have a couple all-star seasons. They could be good players, but they're not going to outperform what all those well, players that you just mentioned. Correct. Like, one of those players might be a star. One of them might be an all-star occasionally, and then one of them might be an everyday contributor. The others will probably never pan out at all, right? I mean, one way to really think about this is, that, you know, whenever you look at an organization and you hear, like, oh, this guy's their number 18 prospect or their number 10 prospect, Right. Remember that 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 multiply that by 30. Right. So that means that guy is one of what? Uh, top 100. You know, yeah, top 100. And, and so that means if he actually makes it to the majors, he's going to be an average player. 
So even your highest rated prospects, they end up panning out. If they pan out at all, they pan out as average players, right? They don't plan out, pan out as superstars, right? You, you know, your top five prospect is not a future uh, all-star. Your top five prospect is a guy who who sits on the bench and maybe maybe starts against righties. He's your next Austin uh, Slater. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who's going to take ten years to to finally develop into the player that you always wanted him to be? Hey, Austin Slater, you're doing great. You're like one of the few bright spots of this season. Keep it up, buddy. Although your defense has slipped a little. Um, but yeah, but Austin Slater, he's 29, right? And he's finally putting it all together. <laughs> uh, that's what that's what prospects are, right? And that's that's what you can expect from them. So yeah, that's why you need to give up so many of them to get somebody like Juan Soto. But that's also why you're willing to do it because he's a sure thing. Yeah. The only thing that's going to hold Juan Soto back is injury. Getting hit in the head by a ball. But you know what? They didn't have flaps then when Tony Conigliaro took that bean ball. Right. Right. So like, I mean, like that's what you're up against. Right. I mean, so that's why you want Juan Soto. That's why that's why this like if the Giants can make it this trade, they absolutely should. Absolutely. And similarly, there's talk about like Shohei Otani maybe being available. Those are the types of players that I think the Giants would and should be all in on. Uh, I don't think the Giants are going to get him, though. No. Well, I mean, obviously, because I don't think I don't think he's going to be traded at all. Like at least this season, they, yeah, yeah, right. At least this season, and I, one of the reasons I think that is because the it, the rumor has it that the current ownership uh, wants to sell. Yes, isn't it? Is it yeah, the, learners? the learners? Yeah, yeah, we know the learners. Yeah, Columbia, uh, and um, they want to sell, and and that team is much more valuable when Juan Soto is under the control than when it's not. Um, and so, like, I know it takes a long time to sell a team, and it might it might take too long, given where Soto is in his, you know, his uh, coming up on free agency. But there's a reason not to trade him, at least, you know, not now. Well, uh, but they th- might... that's a good point, though. Coming up, he's not coming up on free agency for another two plus years. Right. So he still has two and a half years of club control, and uh, yeah, they will be expensive years because arbitration will certainly drive his salary up, but it's not going to be like the, you know, $35 million a year expense, which is what it looks like he wants, you know? So, yeah, uh, it's kind of a, I mean, they're in a hard, tough situation if they do want to sell though, because his value as a trade, trade item goes down the longer they wait. Totally. Yeah. And I think the Giants, but anyway, the the Giants should, should not only take, you know, uh, spend the capital as far as, uh, uh, minor league prospects, uh, but I think they, you know, they also shouldn't be afraid of the the number. I mean, they should pay the man what he wants to be paid. This is the guy you do that for. This yeah. is not the guy. Agreed. There's no other guy on the planet that you like. Go, oh, maybe he's not worth it. Maybe we just, you know, we make an offer, and if he takes it, great. If not, no. This is the guy that you you back up the Brinks truck for and say this is what we want you to be our our outfielder or on our team for the next ten plus years. Yeah, I mean, the Giants have done this before. They have made this move before. And I know that guy kind of tainted thing by some some bad choices, but like, yeah, that, that worked pretty uh, that worked out pretty well for the San Francisco Giants, <laughs> right? Well, trading for the best best player in baseball. Did they trade for him, or was he a free agent? Oh no, they signed him as a free agent. But but my my point is is that you know they they went in all in they went all in yes. on one guy, and and it worked out pretty well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think most of us would uh, take the very uh, bond yeah. years over again. For okay. Sure. Okay. But that being said. 
like Soto probably not going to happen. Number one, because the Giants aren't the, the 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 team in in the best position to get him. Right, the Cardinals and Padres have better talent that that the Nationals are interested in than the Giants. Do. Yeah, especially current right. major league players. Yeah, right. So so there's not so so it's likely that the Giants won't get him. That being said, Matthew. I know, like, I don't think we need to harp on this because I know we're running up against the, the hour here pretty quickly. But I feel like the Giants should sell, sell, sell. They should sell. They should. They should trade Rodon. They should tr- trade Peterson. You know, they signed them both to one-year contracts. This is a no-brainer to me. They should absolutely trade those guys. Are you smoking crack? Value. We just want, we just wow. talked about how prospects don't you know aren't all that. You're you're within three games of a playoff spot mm-hmm. how yeah. often does that you can't take that for granted that you're going to be that close to a playoff spot every year you know what i think you can now i think you can because they ruined the playoffs by by adding this extra team i think so, you can i think 500 teams will always be in the race all the way to the end of september okay okay so what you're saying is that from what you've seen with the eyeball test that nothing can fix it enough to make up those three games and be competitive in the playoffs nothing yes I, nothing will make this team competitive in the playoffs, correct? Yeah, I, I don't agree. I mean, I think our starting pitching is strong enough. I think we, mm-hmm. if we solve, you know, get rid of a Slistella, uh, maybe even like a Ruff or a Wade Jr., and bring in a solid defender or two in those places and shore up our left-handed relief core. Uh, and then I, I don't think he's a left-hander, but the Giants uh, signed Trevor Rosenthal uh, to a contract uh, last week. Uh, yes, Trevor Rosenthal is going to solve all our problems. Matthew. Well, you're absolutely the man right. strikes out 14 batters per nine inning. I mean, uh, the man that, was looking for a job in July. Well, that's because he had surgery, a thoracic, you know, whatever, thoracic nerve surgery or whatever. And granted, that's that's always a question mark. <laughs> but but they're not out of it, dude. And the Giants could, you know, with a couple of trades, could be right back in it. I don't think we should sell, sell, sell. I, I think that... Okay, so so if we shouldn't sell, 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 what should we do to make this team better? Well, like I said, we need to shore up our left-handed relieving because uh, we've lost McGee. We lost Alvarez. Now we're relying on Long to, to be that guy, and he gives you know he's given up home runs left I'm and right to left-handers. I, Sam, I feel like that's my fault. I said like last week that we should see more of you, and we did, and it just went horribly wrong. Yeah. I, my, my, my bad, buddy. Left-handers are hitting almost my... 500 against him. I mean, it is not pretty. He's, and he's really tough against righties, though. It's a buck fifty-two against righties and like five hundred against lefties. Like who knows? Uh, uh, but but you know, and, and you know, part of that also goes to our freaking coaching staff for putting players in those positions to keep keep putting poor Long out there against left-handers. Like how? But Matthew, he throws with his left hand, so therefore he should be tougher against lefties. Well, then just have another guy put on another glove and just throw out with his Matthew, left hand. Matthew, like, Matthew, this is this lefties against lefties. Good for pitchers, bad for batters. Righties versus lefties, good for batters, bad for pitchers. <laughs> this is why we have David VR pinch hit for for Brandon for Brandon Belt, Belt. because because of that reason. Oh. Now I know this is hard for you, the peon fan that you are, <laughs> and I know this is hard for Brandon Belt, the accomplished and you know successful major second league player. Best, yes, yes, second best first baseman to ever play for the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. 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 No. Come on. He's third. third. But I. 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 Yeah. I like to poke fun. Uh, 
I mean, yeah, but yeah, okay. So we need another left-handed reliever. We, yeah, sure. at least one, right? And then, well, yeah, and and so and and we probably need at least two or three different relievers in there, and some of that might come from our own farm system. Yeah, but I and, don't want to talk about relievers. Okay, but that's—I like, know I, it's not I, I, sexy, but we're losing. No, it's it's it, the, it is sexy, but I don't think that's the real problem. Well, it is a problem though because our bullpen gave up it at least one problem. run in every game of these last seven-game losing streak, and we don't have a bullpen that can shut guys down right now. And we did last year. Last year we had a guy, you know, and and maybe I'm going to say this: maybe Trevor Rogers should should be traded. Tyler Rogers. Tyler, I said that you. three weeks ago. You were you were you called me an idiot. Well, you were an idiot, but 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 I do agree that uh, I think you know Tyler Rogers, especially if they're going to keep throwing him out there the way they've been throwing him out there, uh, isn't isn't right for our team. I I mean, well, okay, look, I, I get it. Yes, we do need a left-handed reliever. Um, but I mean, and yes, uh, Gabe Kapler or whoever's making these decisions that Gabe Kapler is green lighting, they need to do better. Uh, you know, uh, in, in terms of who they send out to pitch against whom, um, it's a hot mess right now. It is a hot mess. But they need to make the defense better. They, you know, they need to make the defense better. I would argue that one of the reasons why these relievers keep giving up runs is because their defense is trash. You need to stop. Look, this team has six DHs on it. You know, and that I mean, that's it's true. Like, like they have six DHs. Know, that's, you know, some would argue that's five more than you need. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they it's like they just don't care. This is my whole point about Kapler. You know, being like, oh, they're going to work harder. No, no, you need to stop putting those bad defenders on the field. That's what you need to do. Yep. You can't you can't give me this crap about how they're going to try harder. I don't care about try. I care about do and you need and these guys are just not going to do it. You need better defenders on the field. You need to trade for better defenders. Yeah. And I know it's not sexy and I know it's hard to see, but yeah, I would love a Loriano. Absolutely, even though the guy's hitting 2.30. Loriano makes the Giants better especially if you play him every day. But the thing is, I don't believe that this coaching staff has the cojones to put this guy to put somebody out Loriano out on the field every day for every not for all 9 innings. <laughs> because they're too they, they because they're just so caught up in in the righty lefty matchups. It's like I get it that worked for us last year, but last year our defense wasn't a a sieve like the Giants have to improve their defense, that because like you know what yeah you're like oh they're within sniffing defense of a playoff like they're not going to win that series Matthew with a bad defense. It's like ten thousand when all you need is a knife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're going to embarrass themselves in that series, right? And everybody will be like oh they got three playoff games away in Philadelphia. What do I care about the Giants losing? Two games back to back in Philadelphia in October. Okay, but I don't care about that at all. But then the the alternative is that now you've got like some somebody else's fifteenth ranked prospect in your system now. So like for Carlos Rodon and and ten starts that he's got left in the season. So like I, I I'd rather have the the option of going to the playoffs than the fifteenth ranked you know Philadelphia Philly or whatever. I don't you know. So just why why not go all in? Because they're going to lose. And they're not even going to make the playoffs anyway. Not with this team. All right. They're not going to make the playoffs. You know what we'll we'll tell is the next seven days. And uh, we've got uh, 
four games against the, and I hate to say this, the lowly Chicago Cubs, and uh, you know ain't, who will probably come nobody. in and look like world beaters to us, and you know we'll be lucky to win one out of the four games. And then guess what? We see our friends the Dodgers again for four games uh, at Oracle. And oh, good. Uh, maybe we could go. Maybe we should guide tickets all four of those games, Matthew, and watch them get swept at home. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, see, the only problem with that is that I can't drink as much when we go to the games because I can't afford it. Whereas I have a whole bar at home where I could just 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 get plastered watching the the, the, the Dodgers sweep the Giants. We'll just we'll just we'll we'll sleep on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, we do what we did before actually... and go go get drunk before the game, I guess, huh? Right, right. Well, you know, we'll get hotel rooms. There you go. There you go. We could we could do that like adults. Well, we are adults. Right? And true, true, yeah. true. All right, well, it's been a week. And uh we got one more week coming up that uh, could be I don't know. We'll see. Could be painful. I don't know. You know what I love about you, man? They just went 0-7 to start the second half, and you're all like, all in for the playoffs, baby! (laughs) Like, just what an optimist you are. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Like, every time you're like, I'm so mopey. But by the end of the show... You're like, yeah. That, I know that I'm speaking for my fellow Giants fans. You know, we all we all have that glimmer of hope, right? I mean, you know, we're now that I think about it, I was about to say we're only like, two games worse talking? than we were at the beginning of the season. But <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? About? <laughs> That's really optimistic if I ever heard it, right? Uh, yeah, we're only two games yeah. worse than we were when we were zero and zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And only three games out of a wild card spot. Yes, when we were tied, you know, uh, at the beginning of the season. So, I don't know. Things will get better. They will. We're a better team than that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. I think they are a better team. You know, but you know, Brandon Belt. Hey, you know, here's a dose of reality. Maybe if you were hitting better, you wouldn't be pinch hit for. Well, and he got two hits against left-handers yesterday, so maybe he heard that message. And I mean, maybe, maybe he did. Like, good, good, because we like, need it. Uh, that's that's just yeah, we need it. We need Brandon you know? Belt to be Brandon Belt. That's for sure. All right, well, I think that's going to be it for today, uh, folks. If you haven't done so already, like or subscribe, and uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Giant Cocktails. Uh, we'll throw up our recipes on uh, the spicy mint margarita and the uh, the pink lady. That uh, the pink lady that that Ben uh, is has downed uh, already. So uh, hope you come back next week. Please come back next week. You know, let's let's do this again. Let's just let's just make a pact, folks. That you're just going to come back every week, whether we win or lose, and we'll just we'll either celebrate or commiserate together. Yeah, like we you could do that thing that we suggested early in the show, where you make their cocktails while you watch the games. The other thing that you could do is just. Just skip the whole week and then wait for us to come <laughs> on, and then you'll find out how the Giants did. Or, or like that's better, yes, and then even better is that you could like pause us after we give you the recipe to the cocktail. You could make the cocktail and then come back and listen to the rest of us and be drunk along with us while we're talking uh, Giants. I think that would be. A These lot. are all great ideas. These are all great ideas. Um, yes, like they're all ideas that don't link our listenership. To how well the Giants are performing. Exactly. That's why I like them. That's why I like them too. Come on back, folks. We'll get drunk together. <laughs> All right. On that note, cheers, man. See you next week. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. Bottoms up.